and welcome to Buy Positive. These are your hosts, Mari and Andy. So I'm pretty sure everyone and their mother has read the pink news article about what, what was it, Pan versus Buy? Yeah, it was because it was Pan Week. Yeah, and day, and so they published this article. Um, we're not going to link it because I think they removed it. They removed it, and for good reason. And they had interviewed that person with a PhD, I think, or th- I don't know really, uh, who was defining pansexuality and bisexuality in terms that are completely outdated. And they were basically saying that bisexuality is being attracted to either male or female and exclude any gender unconfirming person or trans person whereas pansexuality is being attracted to all genders yeah and i think they also said something like bi means two and pan means all which is so harmful and bi is you know like outdated because it's uh doesn't encompasses the reality of the full gender of the gender spectrum or something like that so it was very hurtful for people to use the bi label i think the pan label as well um So, after reading that shit show, we decided to take a look at what sexuality is, what sexual orientation is, and maybe try to figure out what the whole deal is with the pan-bi debacle that has been going on for so many years on the internet. I mean, actually, that one is not as complicated as it looks. I mean, there's nothing complicated. Like, we've, here in, in the podcast, used... Bi plus label as an umbrella term for all non monosexualities uh, because there are also people using a label such as polysexual. I'm not going to, to delve into that today, but like just about pansexuality, there's it's the uh, there are um, there are definitions that have been adopted, like for research, and for research, generally, uh, pansexuality is is seen as conceptualized as a label that denotes sexual or romantic attraction to people regardless of their gender expression, masculinity, femininity, their gender identity, or their biological sex. So it means like being attracted to people, period, without any consideration of gender. Whereas most of the time, people who use a bisexual label will say that gender plays a role, even though they are attracted to actually their own gender plus... uh, other genders. So yeah. there might be that they're not attracted to all genders or that just your gender plays a role for them. Yeah. The I, way they're attracted to people. I would say that the, the there are there's a certain amount of people that still think that bisexuality refers to two because of the bi yeah. thing. Which yes. Um uh, but the definition has expanded so much more, especially in the recent years, since yeah. we are able to share information more freely and we are able to define gender identity and sexuality in new ways but the thing more is, and more. which is very interesting is that the word pansexual was first used by Freud, apparently, yeah. by Sigmund Freud himself, and it was in a slightly different ways because it wasn't more, um, it was actually broader, it was not about sexual orientation, but it, it was like different, but it's, it's, it's actually not a new term. But it's been been used more and more by uh, it's a it's an uh, it's an, a label that is now used by um, like the younger generations as like as queer is more and more used by by younger people mm. uh, who identify with the kind of the fluidity of it yeah as for queer but it it has been shown that there's research you know also like post all of those references 
that shows that actually when we just go to like when it comes to sexual behavior, not talking about uh, how people feel, but the way um, they behave, is that there are actually no differences between pansexual and bisexual people. Mm. The behaviors, in the end, were the same, the same, which is like actually uh, attraction and 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 romantic or sexual relation with uh, different genders. Mm. I would say that I mean even though the word is is quite old um it has been revitalized in the yeah. more recent years and it has been used more and more frequently mm-hmm. and some people who have before come out as bisexual now come out as pan because mm-hmm. they find that label a little bit less constraining which is completely yeah. understandable yeah um, and i i mean it's, it made complete sense i think it's all about i mean we already discussed about labels but it's all about Finding something that su- that works for you, yeah, and also something that resonates with you, and something can work for a while, and then you think that maybe another word would work better, and it's and it's okay. We are really I like the idea of the bipolar umbrella because we are in that experience of having experiencing attraction uh, to multiple genders and and not being a kind of monosexual uh, situation. So it's. Uh, I think the differences are important in finding the label that suits you is very, very important. Mm-hmm. But that in the end, we are really in the same boat. Um, boat, yeah. Under the same umbrella. Yeah. And of, yeah, just also this experience of sometimes being straight passing mm. to be sometimes in between worlds mm. because of that. But that's that's about it when you really focus on the question of what is pansexuality versus bisexuality. But, yeah, that doesn't answer the question that what is sexual orientation? Well, according to science, (laughs) um, sexual orientation is an enduring pattern, which means it's a behavior that persists, a behavior, a phenomenon that persists over time. It's not just once. Of romantic or sexual attraction, or a combination of the two, to people of the opposite sex or gender, the same sex or gender, or to both sexes or more than one gender. Basically anything under the sun. The old definition would be, like, if we look at the first Kinsey scales, we would see Mm -hmm. heterosexual, homosexual, and bisexual. And bisexual was conceptualized as a combination of straight and gay, which is problematic by itself. We have moved away from these definitions. Um, It's also important to add to this discussion that there is quite a I wouldn't say a controversy, but there are some questions about asexuality, mm-hmm. over whether it is a sexuality in itself or whether it's a lack of sexuality. Yeah, and then the question about, yeah, how do you all work? How does romantic attraction work when yeah. there's no sexual attraction? Yeah. yeah. I think, the again, another thing that we have moved past in the recent years is that more and more people actually divide the two. Mm. And so they would describe themselves as, you know, ex-romantic and ex-sexual. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting. I think in the in the older generation, it's quite hard to to distance the two from each other. But now people are doing it more and more. And of course, there are so many labels nowadays to describe sexuality and sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's the good old homo, hetero, and bi. But there's also pansexual. There's polysexual, omnisexual. You know, there's so many different words that people come up with that mm-hmm. suit them best. Yeah. But Which may be a little bit confusing, but again, I think it comes down to, okay, if you don't know a label, you just ask the person yeah. how they conceptualize it, because 
it doesn't do to just have the dictionary definition. You have to know what it yeah. means to the person. In many ways, when I speak them, why they chose that label. Yeah. But so what is sexual orientation and attraction? A persisting pattern. <laughs> yeah. No, but like concretely. That's the thing, though. Research, <laughs> research on sexual orientation has been very. I mean, I I would say that it's increasing more and more. Thank you, Kinsey. Um, but <laughs> it's still very controversial because sex is dirty, you know. And because the bulk of research is conducted in places like the United States, which I'm sorry, Americans, but you're prudes. So it's very very <laughs> difficult to get funding yeah. for research on sexuality, sex, sexual orientation, because it's still considered a dirty word. So because it's so political, politically controversial, research mm-hmm. on sexuality is very, you know, the body of research is quite small. Also add to that the fact that there are so many groups of people, including those in power, who would use those quote-unquote scientific mm-hmm. facts to be like, okay, this is the reason why people are gay. We're just going to eliminate that reason and we'll eliminate gay people because they're bad for our society. Yeah. You know, research on sexual orientation is very difficult to do in an unbiased way. Mm. Um, another way to look at sexual orientation that a lot of people who are conservative in their views choose to uh, choose is the um, the sexuality is a choice yeah. uh, argument, which, again, if you look at it this way, sexuality, sexual orientation is not a choice, right? I think we're all mm-hmm. clear on that. If we're not, please just Google it. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. Um, however, sexual behavior can be a choice, and it yeah. is a choice, yeah. and it's an informed choice. So and it should be. Yeah, it should be an informed choice. <laughs> Consent, people. Um, no, sex, so sexual orientation, you can't choose. So if you're attracted to your own gender or another gender or whatever, you can't choose that. However, you can choose whether you will act mm-hmm. on these desires. So a lot of people who come from the so-called ex-gay movement, conversion therapy, whatever you want to call it, they say that they've been cured of yeah. the gay. When in reality, they've just been conditioned not to follow their desires. Yeah. And it's still there. And it's, uh, that's where it's really complex. Yeah, there's a sexual orientation. I mean, there's a sexual... Uh, the reality of the sexual attraction and the sexual orientation, which is also the moment when people actually embrace their attractions. Mm. In the um in the last in the US in the last uh survey about you know sexual orientation which numbers are like generally lower of of queer people than than what is maybe observed in other ways but so in the last survey so you had a one point three percent of the women and one point nine percent of men think they were homosexual and five point five percent of women and two percent of men saying that they were um bisexual. Which gives us uh, six, uh, what six, six point eight percent of women who are like non-straight, uh, based on on that survey, and like three point nine of percent of men. So okay, so that's what how people identify. And then the same survey has question had questions about sexual behavior, and so seventeen point four percent of women reported same same sex sexual contact. Oh wow! What a surprise! College and, happened, <laughs> and six point two percent of men, uh, which is actually reported. I think it's probably a lot more of actually happening, but it's another question. So there's a little bit of, a, especially for women, of a gap between mm. the the orientation and the reported sexual conduct. And I mean, 
maybe some of those women of the 17% who bought it were actually just experimenting mm. and are mostly straight and identify as straight. But statistically, it doesn't explain <laughs> the gap at all. I mean, there is a reason why the whole, like, every woman has a lesbian experience cliche is is a cliche because... But then, and then yeah, there's, again, there's this thing that this, those, those stats don't even show the people who know, they know they have sexual attraction for mm. their, their own gender, but don't act on it. Mm. And so they don't appear at all yeah. in, those, in, those, in those numbers. So it's just really interesting to see how like, it's a little bit of a complex thing. And then if you add the biology of it, mm-hmm. it just becomes a lot more complicated. Well, first of all, I also wanted huh? to talk about the causality of sexual oh, orientation, yeah. because there is a lot of controversy surrounding the subject because mm-hmm. there is a certain idea that if we find out the cause, if we find out that there's a gene or a thing that makes people yeah. queer, that can be eliminated and that can cause yeah. I, yeah. severe social imbalances, which is a very, very which is real fear. Which is a problem with some recent, recent results that confirm that there are differences in the brain of trans mm-hmm. gender people before they take, before taking hormones. Mm-hmm. And they show traits that are usually associated with their the gender they that they feel they are, mm. and not necessarily the biological sex. Mm. Uh, so it proves it proves that it's not just Im- their imagination. Yeah. But it also says, okay, so it, does it mean that if we we cut out in their brain, they'll be cis? Yeah. It, it's it's uh, yeah. So the causes that we can isolate to pretty much everything in this world that <laughs> concerns a human organism is first of all biology. Mm-hmm. Um, the pure composition of the human body, there there might be something inside the human body that mm-hmm. makes you um, ex-sexual. Be a, be a gene of sexual orientation. You no, know, but there is a difference between biological mm-hmm. and genetic. Yeah, no, there's, yeah. There's a slight difference here. And True. so with the genetic question, is there a heritable component? Mm-hmm. Because there there is, I mean, there is some evidence that says that if you have queer people in your family, first-degree relatives, I think, you are more likely to be queer. Okay, I I don't know. I know that kids raised in a same-sex household mm-hmm. don't show more um, queerness in adulthood. Mm-hmm. They have more experiences with mm-hmm. this, their their own gender. That mean that they are more open to experience. But mm-hmm. in the end, the way they identify, there's no significant differences with the kids of like so. Yeah, but here we're talking more about environmental factors rather yeah. than genetic ones. There's also the hormonal factor. So if, say, uh, Mm -hmm. a cis woman Mm -hmm. has more testosterone in her, would that Mm -hmm. somehow influence her sexuality and make her more attracted to women? Like, might just make her more horny (laughs) to have more testosterone, but... Or just have bigger muscles. There's also this idea that maybe um, certain things that happen during the birth uh, or before the birth... So those all those different things that affect the pregnant person's body before the child is born, uh, versus whether certain behaviors are learned and socialized and acquired, um, which again I think can play a part in it in 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 the way that if you learn as a child that being queer is okay, you will be more prone to being accepting of such behaviors and feeling okay with acting on these behaviors, but that does not mean that you will necessarily be queer. And of course, there's also the debate of whether sexuality in itself is a natural construct, if it's something that Mother Nature coded into Mm -hmm. us, or 
it's entirely societally constructed. Yeah. Which is, again, a biggie um, mm-hmm. for, for a lot of research. Because people like to view sexuality, sexual orientation, as a social construct or as a yeah. psychological construct. But in reality, you know, we're going to talk about, about the biology of it, yeah. and you can't really... And that, that, that the problem is that, is that there are... Okay, that, that the problem of biology. So, you know, there are... I mean, we're going to put like some references of that. There are different studies that have shown that, is that... Generally, I'm going to talk about men and women because we are like those studies are, I've done on, on cisgender people in general, and it uh, really uh, focus on biological sex, uh, and so I don't think that there has been any uh, any um, study in that case on uh, intersex people, which would be very interesting. But like here, we're like more typical. Like uh, there, there are uh, in, let's say uh, bigger numbers of uh, cis uh, people, uh, and uh, you. Um, the the thing is, generally speaking, men, uh, when you they say they are straight and you show them pictures of naked women, they will show signs of sexual arousal, mm-hmm. uh, genital, and also like the in the the the, the eyes, the, the pupillary response, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, they won't response generally to pictures of naked men, men or other or the type of sexual stimulus mm-hmm. but for women <laughs> and no, it happens that there will be physiological response to stimuli that have nothing to do with their sexual orientation mm-hmm. so straight women being aroused by pictures of naked women mm-hmm. and the thing is those women are not even aware of what's happening mm-hmm. because a lot of women are not aware of when they are aroused when it's very, very, very obvious. Mm. Because generally speaking, it's a little less obvious than men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they show sign of arousal when exposed to sexual stimuli mm-hmm. that are not in direct relation with their declared sexual orientation. So that makes things a little bit more complicated here. Mm. And also studies that show that that's true for women in general, but actually straight women, because lesbians mm-hmm. and the sexual women are actually very strongly more attracted much more attracted to their preferred sex than to the other sex, uh, sexes or gender mm-hmm. and that so if you show a lesbian a picture of a naked woman she's going to be aroused mm-hmm. if you show her a naked a picture of a naked man she won't be okay that's quite interesting yeah and so i mean they know lesbians is less statistical mm. Uh, thing um, and you have also uh, that in uh, bisexual men also like bisexual uh, arousal and that generally speaking the, cur- the curve and the responses are closer to the female response mm-hmm. so here we are really in a, I mean I don't think no one can actually explain that uh, it, it, it's just that there, there there's something here that makes it you know, a lot of people who have things to say against uh, homosexuality, mm-hmm. they always refer to biology, to nature, mm-hmm. to, you know. To God. No, but penis, vagina, supposed to go together, supposed to make sense. Yeah, yeah but the truth is, when you look at the biology, it's not that obvious. Mm. Why would women respond to other sexual stimuli? I mean, Why? It's, it's very interesting. I would say that it, there are 
there mu- must be some sort of natural component to it, as in biologically speaking. Yeah. But I would also say that women are sexualized um, and and socialized to be more flexible in their sexual orientation, at least from my personal experience. And of course, I'm around a lot of <laughs> queer women, so I can't really <laughs> say, but... I would say that women in general are expected to be much more flexible when it comes to their sexuality than men are. Yeah. Um, so it must m- might be just that this response is dulled in men and they actually have the potential for it. Yeah. In, in straight men, I mean. But it could also be that there is a biological component to it that just makes women more flexible. I mean, in a very uh, evo- like, logical of you know, reproduction and we need to... Uh... Mm. To uh, perpetuate the species, mm. you would need to have like females more aroused because you good luck with that. You 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 increase the chances of getting them pregnant, which is not that there are accidents all the time, but getting pregnant is actually a one in a million thing. Mm. Uh, so you would need to you know maximize the chances by making her want to have sex more. Mm-hmm. Uh, if from a purely animalistic perspective. Yeah. So she would be responsive to anything. Yeah. Uh, but it's, I don't know, I think a lot of that... Okay, the question is... It's a, it's a question. Maybe male and female have the same potential of being attracted to all gender or whatever, like mm-hmm. to human beings in general. But since men have a much more noticeable arousal, mm. they are also trained to repress it. Perhaps. Unconsciously. And while women have no idea if they're aroused or not, because that's also a social like a, a consequence of the culture, mm. uh, where women are not, you know, there's still these ideas about women not having sexuality. It's changing, mm. thank God, and has been changing for a while now, but it's still there. Yeah. It would be also interesting to see the perspective of, of non-Western cultures where women, yeah. for fe- where female pleasure is actually talked about, because there are some places in Africa where... The sexual arousal, uh, the female arousal and the female orgasm yeah. ultimately are uh, venerated and, yeah. and, and um, seen as something that men, mm-hmm. uh, when talking about straight people here, uh, men have to strive to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, there it, it could be actually different. But again, because of all this, all this research is usually done on students at universities mm-hmm. who are usually white, usually middle class, usually straight. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit harder to um, to get diversity in that in in those research populations. One of the uh, actually interesting things, one of the of the study we're going to to give the references is that it it was actually to show that you you could use um, papillary dilatation as 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 uh, a very strong indication of sexual arousal, um, a, a reliable one, and that the, one of the conclusion is that because of that, it's much easier. To do cross-cultural comparison mm. because it's it's a lot less invasive, mm. so it would be a lot more acceptable to do those research in different type of contexts. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, you still have to show porn to people basically, <laughs> but uh, you you don't have to measure whether or not they have a blood the blood <laughs> rush to their genitals. But then again, you know, you would you would also could argue that yeah, you know, showing porn to people might work, but there's also a cultural a cultural no. element to what we find arousing, you know. Um, yeah. like in say Japan, wrists in the back of the neck is considered a very intimate place. Mm-hmm. Would that arouse yeah Japanese people the same way 
Yeah. You know, with something that's considered sexual in more Western cultures. is So there's so much, so much stuff to do when it comes to research. It has to be done by people who are part of the culture, who understand the culture, and who also have a grip on sexuality. And... Yeah, but which is insanely hard to find. Because I was realizing that even in what I was explaining, like the oh, I show you a picture of a naked woman or a naked mm-hmm. man. I come from a culture where nudity is sexualized, mm-hmm. but we all live in a country where nudity is not even a thing. Yeah, is completely desexualized in a lot of situation. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not even like the the the, the no um no swimsuit uh, policy in spas mm-hmm. where you are um, just seeing people everywhere all naked and all genders and and there's no sexualization of it yeah um it's it's it i mean that's like that in the netherlands you know as uh, foreigners and when we want to wear a swimsuit because we didn't wear and raise like that it's not that easy to find a spa it's <laughs> a side note yeah <laughs> but um so basically the so, definitions yeah. of what sexuality sexual orientation is incredibly broad um incredibly cultural possibly biological possibly genetic possibly socially learned i said possibly yeah (laughs) um basically we don't know anything (laughs) we're just kind of like doing this all we know is that if you feel attracted to someone or not it is entirely up to you to define it is not up to society to tell you it is up to you to find the research to find the facts to identify with a label or not if you don't want to use one and just make sure that you are safe when you are with other people yeah and i think it's just one thing that we know is that being able to build a a positive identity that takes into account who you are attracted to uh, and without censoring yourself that actually is associated with you know better mental health uh, less distress, like just a better life. To be, uh, I mean, from a psychological perspective, because let's be clear, in a lot of places it's not easy to be yourself, yeah. even not legal to be yourself. Being in touch with who you are, who you are attracted to, and how it works for you, because I think it's, it's the, the thing is, even when we talk about arousal, and there are biological signs, and, it's, and yes, for men it's more obvious. It's not just about that. It's about knowing what, how your body responses and how you feel so maybe emotionally attracted to someone. And that is very personal and requires some... Self-awareness? Yeah. I think, I think the main takeaway here is that as much as you can, as much as it is safe for you, no matter where you are in the world, it's important to own who you are. If you believe that the label buy or pen or whatever else works for you, then that's great. If you don't want to use one, that's great. As long as you understand your inner world and how that inner world interacts with the rest of humanity. And yeah, and it might not be safe to be out, but you can be out to yourself. So what are your thoughts on all of this? If there's anything you would like to add to the discussion, we would absolutely love to hear some feedback from you either on Twitter or on our email. And otherwise, we will talk to you next week where we have a very exciting interview coming up. Bye. Bye.